0: So last month, the Ford government announced that it would be spending $365 million more to help get parents a one-time payment so they can pay for things like extra tutoring. And I guess that's how they see they're going to make up for all this learning loss over the last couple of years. So students under 18 get 200 bucks. If you have a child with a learning disability, you get 250 bucks. But we're talking kids who lost months and months of the curriculum that was never made up, and they got pushed on. So what what do you actually get? Maybe two lessons out of that, which most parents would say, nowhere near the kind of help that these kids need. And a lot of people say, look, this money could have been better spent if they had just actually spent it in the classroom. So let's bring in Kat Ashner. She is TVO's affordability reporter, and you tackled these numbers, and I think you come up... Uh, with a couple of interesting uh, things. I mean, they have been looking into the better way of helping struggling kids. To me, it never made sense to give parents a couple hundred bucks because you de- you just can't get much out of that when it comes to breaking down the dollars and cents for lessons for your kids outside of the school.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Alex. Um, great to be on, by the way. Uh, so I, uh, I talked, I, I looked at this amount of money and I mean, I, I have a sense of how much these things cost. Yeah. And I was just like, this like $200 would not buy you a lot when you're thinking about, yeah, making up for like, uh, you know, significant learning loss for some of the learning losses we've seen in, in evidenced in some of the, the um, like standardized testing, like the EQAO that they they've done, yeah. you know, there, there are significant issues. And I was like, okay, so $200 is not a lot of money you and I you know I learned talking to sources doing some research you can buy a couple of like curriculum workbooks which might help your kid if they're really really engaged to get more practice so those are workbooks that are like geared towards what they're learning in school or you can get maybe a few hours of tutoring um you know it might be as much as three hours if you're if you're lucky for like a professional tutor but professional tutoring is expensive um and then if you consider a program like Kumon, which I know some people really turn to, you know, the onboarding costs of that program alone are going to wipe out most of that $200, never mind the sort of ongoing investment. So I was like, this doesn't seem like it's very much money. But, you know, on the other hand, $365 million, as you identified, is a lot of money when you're talking about the the education budget. So I called up a few different sources to talk to them, uh, people who do research on sort of like the most effective ways to make up these learning losses and some of the most you know, pressing issues in uh, educational reform in this province, and the consensus was basically that, like, the most effective support that you can get, like, the best bang for your buck, as it were, for like the province, um, and the one that's got the most evidence behind it is something called in-school tutoring. So, this is when you hire uh, you hire tutors, or you use teacher resources, or you do something uh, with an educational assistant to come in and work with kids on like a 3 or 4 student basis so 3 or 4 kids who are particularly struggling will meet with this one stu- uh one yeah. sort of tutor during school so during class time when they're working on their homework or you know when they have that study time it's 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 basically a way of spreading out the teacher resources because teachers if teachers have 30 kids you know or if more than 30 kids they can't give that kind of individual attention but it's also a way of making sure that you're not eating into kids out of school time because like as we know You know, as educational experts know, kids who don't want to be in school or who are struggling at school don't want to have extra school. That feels like a punishment, and they're not going to engage with that. Whereas if they're getting extra help during school hours, that's a really effective intervention. And $365 million could buy a lot of that intervention.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, look, I mean, if you, if you throw that in, we've got EAs now asking for more money. And if, you know, it's, if they get paid extra for doing these kinds of things, uh, th- that money you could have thrown to that and said, look, we'll pay you for your skills and helping kids get caught up. They did not. But I think you also raise a really important point. Uh, point in your piece is that this is the third time that the Ford government has actually been sending out these checks. So in 2020, had the uh, offer for secondary school students to get 200 bucks, 400 for elementary school students. Um, You know, in 2021, there was 400 for every student. So they've been kind of rifling out these checks. So we're talking about when you add it up, it's $1.8 billion on on kind of Band-Aid fixes that don't actually fix anything. And then you you add in this newer thing. So we're we're spending $2.1 billion on band-aids when that would have two billion dollars is a huge uh investment in support mm-hmm. programs that could have actually lasted a lot longer than one or two lessons.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I think um when you look at the past payments, um like the 2020 payment and the 2021 payment. The only the only thing that I will say about that, other than like, perhaps that money could have been better spent, certainly at the time, some people talked about that, is just that, like, it made a little more sense in 2020, when everyone just had their kids at home all the time, and we weren't really sure when that was going to end. And, you know, they had to invest in all of these extra sort of resources, like, um, you know, a, a new tablet or a new computer. Or something. Yeah. That made some sense. I think that made some sense. You could be like, okay, so we're asking you to do this from home. Now we're putting this massive burden on parents you know we can't help that it's a pandemic we can't help that but we are going to give you some money to sort of help with some of the extra technology like I think that makes some sense um but it also um I think is worth noting that like these checks were not gated to any kind of like everyone got everyone could apply for and receive these checks every parent regardless of their means regardless of where they lived um you know, regardless of anything like that. So, you know, it could be that someone who has, you know, has their child already had all that technology and who doesn't have any further needs for this money for educational purposes, you know, could have received these checks. The other thing is that like, as I spoke to one person for my story who who recently did a report on rural education, rural parents and rural children really struggled during the pandemic because of internet access and issues with internet access. So like, Again, this is another case where I think you can look at the way the money was spent and you can be like, is this really the best use of this money or would supporting rural, sorry, it's a hard word Mm -hmm. to say, rural parents, um, you know, get better internet access or like better internet infrastructure, would that have been a better way to spend this money? And that's a bit outside the scope of this piece, but it's certainly an issue that I thought about as I was working on this story.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, in the big picture, when we kind of dissect all the things that went wrong in the pandemic and the fallout of what was missed, who lost what, I mean, there will be, I think, a lot of, of you know, areas uh, that need improvement. But were you at all able to gauge while you're looking into this as to how much need parents actually have for help? Um, I think if we put a true dollar figure on, on the learning loss itself, uh, I don't know if you can put a price on that.
1: No, I think that there is a degree to which you can't put a uh, price on this. And I I definitely, you know, anecdotally heard reports as I was doing this story and I think a lot of us, you know, we, as we've talked about before Alex, yeah. it's a really expensive time. That $200 might easily go towards a car payment. Mm-hmm. You know, or towards something else. Like I I'm sure everybody's had Eating the bills that of just t- went up 100%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um I mean a 100% is a lot, but yeah, no, totally. So like Um, You know, you can see very easily how it would be very difficult to earmark that money for an educational resource. But I think the sort of knock on thing about that and about how, you know, figuring out how much money is actually needed for to gain back these learning losses is that, you know, like, why is this being downloaded onto parents to do? We have a school system. You know, it's, it's, it really needs, it's in desperate need of more funding. There's major infrastructure, you know, deficits in schools. You know, certainly the lowest paid educational workers are asking for more money right now. You know, I imagine that teaching contracts will be coming out soon too. And, you know, teachers like the rest of us have seen the value of their wages go down recently because of inflation. So, like, there are lots of things within the school system that could be improved in ways that would help make up that learning loss without downloading the responsibility for doing that on parents who are, you know, overwhelmingly working, who are busy, who have, you know, other things to do, and who aren't trained educators. Yeah. You know, right. who don't understand what's, what's best for, from an educational perspective, and um, who can't think like who, for whom, you know, maybe their math education was 20 years ago, right? Like you shouldn't be having to figure out all this stuff on your own when we have a system for
0: this reason. Yeah, well, that, that is what the system is supposed to be about. Nonetheless, uh, it's interesting, but you also give you tips. I mean, to your point about the tutoring, um, Kumon, you can go there, but you can also hire young students. There are a lot of young students. If you're going to stretch that 200 bucks, even though I still, it does nowhere near close, there are ways you can actually just make that dollar go further
1: yeah I, I definitely made a point of asking about that because it's you know it's all very well and good to say well the government you know should be doing more more with these resources but at the same time you know ask those questions but it's also like if people read this story i want them if they have kids to be have some takeaways for things they can do for with this 200 which everyone i talked to said you should apply for this like this is money is just going to go back into the general coffers otherwise so you should apply for it um one suggestion was to hire like an older student to come in and do some like you know, not even formal tutoring necessarily, but mentoring, maybe your, your child will respond really well to that and that will help them sort of feel like they have more support and improve in their, their work a bit. The other suggestion um, that I received uh, was just to um, ask their teachers you know, ask their teachers, what do you think will help my child the most? Because the answer may not be one of those curriculum workbooks we talked about. It may not even be tutoring. It may, you know, for that child just be like, we need, you know, that say they're struggling with reading. They really love this one area of reading. Maybe if you bought them some books or some magazines or something that, you know, uh, deal with dinosaurs or whatever their interests are, that might help them really like feel engaged and feel like they want to make that you know, make that extra investment in in their learning.
0: There you go. Follow the dollar, which is what you do. And uh, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't add up, but you certainly make sense of it. Appreciate your time, Kat. Thanks so much, Alex. That's Kat Eschner, uh, TVO's affordability reporter. And again, uh, I think she lays out some compelling uh, cases.